the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands, totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. We are going to continue a remarkable book, the book of Joshua, a remarkable person in every way. He and Caleb, these two men who came out of Egypt with the people of Israel 40 years before, and these two survive from that particular generation. And now Joshua is leading them into the promised land. There are 24 chapters in Joshua. The first 12 have to do with the conquest. The second 12, the second half of the book, has to do with the occupation of the land. Now that they have conquered, then the idea is to divide it between the 12 tribes, distribute and release the tribes, then to go and finish the work of driving out the idolatrous, wicked people who were in the land. The book of Joshua here covers basically about 25 years, seven years of battle and warfare, then 18 to 20 years when the tribes are occupying and moving into the regions that they are allotted by Joshua and the leadership. Then they'll enter into the time of the judges. There's no centralized government. Each tribe individually directs the affairs of their people groups. And when a threat comes to the nation as a whole, then a hero or a judge, as they are called, is raised up. They recognize the leadership of this one, this individual. There's one woman and 11 men, 12 judges in all that we will read about in the book of Judges. That will be a period of about 300, 325 years. And it will be a very difficult time. You're going to get almost depressed reading about it. It's so painful to read about the heights that they have attained, the heights of faith, the experience of God and how they sink, how they lower themselves and go into this death spiral, lower and lower into decadence, into sin and wickedness, to lose all of the beautiful thing that they had received from God. Well, we're going to have to watch it and see as God deals with them patiently but insistently. We will hopefully learn some lessons because this is a very beautiful picture of 
God's dealings with God's people here in this land. Right now, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment from Psalm 44. It is a psalm that is perfect for where we are in the book of Joshua. It's a plea for victory by battle-weary men and women. And that may be where you are even tonight. For sure, that's where the people of Israel are. The Bible life. Psalm 44, verses 1 through 7. O God, we have heard it with our own ears. Our ancestors have told us of all you did in other days, in days long ago. You drove out the pagan nations and gave all the land to our ancestors. You crushed their enemies, setting our ancestors free. They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not their own strength that gave them victory. It was by your mighty power that they succeeded. It was because you favored them and smiled on them. You are my king and my God. You command victories for your people. Only by your power can we push back our enemies. Only in your name can we trample our foes. I do not trust my bow. I do not count on my sword to save me. It is you who gives us victory over our enemies. It is you who humbles those who hate us. End of reading Psalm 44 verses 1 through 7. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are nothing without him, and on the other hand, he is all we need. Often we don't realize that God is all we need until God is all we have, right? That's sad to say, but God teaches us that lesson over and over again. And of course, we read that tonight in Psalm 44, the beautiful psalm about the conquest of Canaan. When you are struggling with personal worries and concerns, look at the victories in the past that God has given to you. Look at the great works he has done on your behalf in your past experience and let them give you strength and encouragement that he will not fail you even in this moment as well. And of course, there's also that great reminder that it's not our own strength. The New Testament puts it this way. We don't battle with the weapons of the flesh. And that doesn't mean we don't do the things we need to do. If we need to make certain preparations, if we need to take certain intelligent, common-sense steps to battle against sin in our own lives or even in the practical realm, it doesn't mean we stand still and don't do anything. But whatever we do, the steps that we take are taken with the attitude of trust, of dependence, of reliance upon God, His power at work in us. Just as the psalmist reminds us tonight in Psalm 44, you drove out the pagan nations, but you did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not with their own strong arm you gave them victory. It was your right hand and strong arm, the blinding light from your face, that accomplished and gave the victories. Even in our lives today, as we try to drive out the wickedness and the sin in our lives, don't leave it unconquered. That's one of the problems that the people of Israel are going to have, as we notice now. They do not finish driving the wickedness out of the land, and it turns out to cause them great problems. Now, tonight, they still are areas to conquer, but now they are going to divvy up the land to the different tribes. It's up to them now to continue the process in their own different areas. Let's do the same. Let's let God drive those enemies, the wickedness, the sin out of our lives, those areas of weakness, perhaps, those areas of ignorance. Let's learn, let's go deeper in the Word and see God drive the wickedness and sin from us 
planting the character of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible Life. Joshua 13, 1 through 16, 10. Joshua 13. When Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, You are growing old, and much land remains to be conquered. The people still need to occupy the land of the Philistines and the Geshurites, territory that belongs to the Canaanites. This land extends from the stream of Shehor, which is on the boundary of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, and includes the five Philistine cities of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The land of the Avites in the south also remains to be conquered. In the north, this area has not yet been conquered. All the land of the Canaanites, including Merah, which belongs to the Sidonians, stretching northward to Afek on the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gabalites and all of the Lebanon mountain area to the east, from Baal Gad beneath Mount Hermon to Lebo Hamath, and all the hill country from Lebanon to Misrafoth Maim, including all the land of the Sidonians. I will drive these people out of the land for the Israelites. So be sure to give this land to Israel as a special possession, just as I have commanded you. Include all this territory as Israel's inheritance when you divide the land among the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Half the tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Reuben and Gad had already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan, for Moses, the servant of the Lord, had previously assigned this land to them. Their territory extended from Aurora on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain beyond Medeba as far as Dibon. It also included all the towns of King Sihon of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon and extended as far as the borders of Ammon. It included Gilead, the territory of the kingdoms of Geshur and Maacah, all of Mount Hermon, all of Bashan as far as Silica, and all the territory of King Og of Bashan, who had reigned in Ashtaroth and Adre. King Og was the last of the Rephites, for Moses had attacked them and driven them out. But the Israelites failed to drive out the people of Geshur and Maacah, so they continue to live among the Israelites to this day. Moses did not assign any land to the tribe of Levi, Instead, as the Lord had promised them, their inheritance came from the offerings burned on the altar to the Lord, the God of Israel. Moses had assigned the following area to the families of the tribe of Reuben. Their territory extended from Aurora on the edge of the Arnon Gorge, including the town in the middle of the gorge, to the plain beyond Medeba. It included Heshbon and the other towns on the plain, Dibon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Baal Meon, Jahaz, Kedemoth, Mephath, Kiriathaim, Sibma, Zareth Shahar on the hill above the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshimoth. The land of Reuben also included all the towns of the plain and the entire kingdom of Sihon. Sihon was the Amorite king who had reigned in Heshbon and was killed by Moses along with the chiefs of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, princes living in the region who were allied with Sihon. The Israelites also killed Balaam the magician, the son of Beor. The Jordan River marked the western boundary for the tribe of Reuben. The towns and villages in this area were given as an inheritance to the families of the tribe of Reuben. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Moses had assigned the following area to the families of the tribe of Gad. Their territory included Jazer, all the towns of Gilead, and half of the land of Ammon, as far as the town of Aror, just west of Rabah. It extended from Heshbon to Ramath Mispe and Betonim, and from Mahanaim to Lodebar. In the valley were Beth Haram, Beth Nimra, Sukoth, Zaphon, and the rest of the kingdom of King Sihon of Heshbon. The Jordan River was the western border, extending as far north as the Sea of Galilee. 
The towns and villages in this area were given as an inheritance to the families of the tribe of Gad. Moses had assigned the following area to the families of the half-tribe of Manasseh. Their territory extended from Ahanaim, including all of Bashan, all the former kingdom of King Og, and the sixty towns of Jair in Bashan. It also included half of Gilead and King Og's royal cities of Ashtaroth and Adrei. All this was given to the descendants of Machir, who was Manasseh's son. These are the allotments Moses had made while he was on the plains of Moab, across the Jordan River, east of Jericho. But Moses gave no land to the tribe of Levi, for the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised to be their inheritance. Joshua 14 The remaining tribes of Israel inherited land in Canaan as allotted by Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the tribal leaders. These nine and a half tribes received their inheritance by means of sacred lots, in accordance with the Lord's command through Moses. Moses had already given an inheritance of land to the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan River. The tribe of Joseph had become two separate tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the Levites were given no land at all, only towns to live in and the surrounding pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the distribution of the land was in strict accordance with the Lord's instructions to Moses. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave from my heart a good report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people and discouraged them from entering the promised land. For my part, I followed the Lord my God completely. So that day Moses promised me, The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your special possession and that of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So I am asking you to give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the Anakites living there in great walled cities. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as an inheritance. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kiriath Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero of the Anakites. And the land had rest from war. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Joshua 15. The land assigned to the families of the tribe of Judah reached southward to the border of Edom, with the wilderness of Zin being its southernmost point. The southern boundary began at the south bay of the Dead Sea, ran south of Scorpion Pass into the wilderness of Zin, and went south of Kadesh Barnea to Hezron. Then it went up to Adar, where it turned toward Karka. From there it passed to Osmon until it finally reached the brook of Egypt, which it followed to the Mediterranean Sea. This was their southern boundary. The eastern boundary extended along the Dead Sea to the mouth of the Jordan River. 
The northern boundary began at the bay where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, crossed to Beth Hogla, then proceeded north of Beth Arabah to the Stone of Bohan. Bohan was Reuben's son. From that point, it went through the Valley of Akkor to Debir, turning north toward Gilgal, which is across from the slopes of Adumim on the south side of the valley. From there, the border extended to the springs of En Shemesh and on to Enrogel. The boundary then passed through the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, along the southern slopes of the Jebusites, where the city of Jerusalem is located. Then it went west to the top of the mountain above the Valley of Hinnom and on up to the northern end of the Valley of Rephaim. From there, the border extended from the top of the mountain to the spring at the waters of Nephtoah, and from there to the towns on Mount Ephron. Then it turned toward Baalah, that is, Kiriath-Jerim. The border circled west of Baalah to Mount Seir, passed along to the town of Kesselon on the northern slope of Mount Jerim, and went down to Beth Shemesh and on to Timna. The boundary line then proceeded to the slope of the hill north of Ekron, where it turned toward Shikaron and Mount Baalah. It passed Jabneel and ended at the Mediterranean Sea. The western boundary was the shoreline of the Mediterranean Sea. These are the boundaries for the families of the tribe of Judah. The Lord instructed Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb, son of Jephunneh. So Caleb was given the city of Arba, that is Hebron, which had been named after Anak's ancestor. Caleb drove out the three Anakites, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmai, descendants of Anak. Then he fought against the people living in the town of Debir, formerly called Kiriath-Sefer. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aksah in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kiriath-Sefer. Othniel, the son of Caleb's brother Canas, was the one who conquered it, so Aksah became Othniel's wife. When Aksah married Othniel, she urged him to ask her father for an additional field. As she got down off her donkey, Caleb asked her, What is it? What can I do for you? She said, Give me a further blessing. You have been kind enough to give me land in the Negev. Please give me springs as well. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. This was the inheritance given to the families of the tribe of Judah. The towns of Judah, situated along the borders of Edom in the extreme south, are Kabzil, Eder, Jagur, Kina, Dimona, Adaba, Kadesh, Hazor, Ethnan, Ziph, Telam, Baaloth, Hazor Hadata, Kiriot Hezron, that is Hazor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar Gada, Heshmon, Beth Pelet, Hazar Shual, Beersheba, Biziothia, Baala, Im, Ezim, El Tolad, Kessel, Horma, Ziklag, Matmana, Sansana, Lebaoth, Shilhim, Ain, and Rimon. In all, there were 29 of these towns with their surrounding villages. The following towns, situated in the western foothills, were also given to Judah. Eshtaol, Zorah, Ashna, Zanoa, Enganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Soko, Azeka, Sha'araim, Adithaim, Gedera, and Gederothaim. In all, there were 14 towns with their surrounding villages. Also included were Zinan, Hadashah, Migdal Gad, Dailin, Mispa, Jakthil, Lakish, Boskath, Eglon, Kabon, Lamam, Kitlish, Gederoth, Bethdagon, Naama, and Makeda, sixteen towns with their surrounding villages. Besides these, there were Libna, Ether, Ashan, Ibta, Asna, Nezib, Keilah, Akzib, and Marashah, nine towns with their surrounding villages. 
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The territory of the tribe of Judah also included all the towns and villages of Ekron. From Ekron, the boundary extended west and included the towns near Ashdod with their surrounding villages. It also included Ashdod with its towns and villages and Gaza with its towns and villages, as far as the brook of Egypt and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Judah also received the following towns in the hill country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiriath-Sana, that is Debir, Anab, Estemo, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, eleven towns with their surrounding villages. Also included were the towns of Arab, Duma, Eshan, Janim, Beth Tapua, Afeka, Humta, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, and Zior, nine towns with their surrounding villages. Besides these, there were Maon, Carmel, Zif, Juta, Jezreel, Jokdim, Zanoa, Cain, Gibeah, and Timna, ten towns with their surrounding villages. In addition, there were Halhul, Bethzur, Gedor, Maarath, Beth Anoth, and El Tekon, six towns with their surrounding villages. There were also Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerim, and Rabah, two towns with their surrounding villages. In the wilderness, there were the towns of Beth Arabah, Medin, Sekaka, Nibshan, the city of Salt, and En Gedi, six towns with their surrounding villages. But the tribe of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites, who lived in the city of Jerusalem. So the Jebusites live there among the people of Judah to this day. Joshua 16 The allotment to the descendants of Joseph extended from the Jordan River near Jericho, east of the waters of Jericho, through the wilderness and into the hill country of Bethel. From Bethel, that is, Luz, it ran over to Ataroth in the territory of the Archites. Then it descended westward to the territory of the Japhletites, as far as lower Beth-Haron, then to Gezer and over to the Mediterranean Sea. The families of Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, received their inheritance. The following territory was given to the families of the tribe of Ephraim as their inheritance. The eastern boundary of their inheritance began at Ataroth Adar. From there it ran to Upper Beth-Haron, then on to the Mediterranean Sea. The northern boundary began at the Mediterranean, ran east past Mikmathoth, then curved eastward past Taanath Shiloh, to the east of Genoa. From Genoa, it turned southward to Ataroth and Nara, touched Jericho, and ended at the Jordan River. From Tapua, the border extended westward, following the Kanar Ravine to the Mediterranean Sea. This is the inheritance given to the families of the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was also given some towns with surrounding villages in the territory of the half-tribe of Manasseh. They did not drive the Canaanites out of Gezer, however, so the people of Gezer live as slaves among the people of Ephraim to this day. End of reading, Joshua 13, 1 through 16, 10. Take my body and build it up. May it be broken as an offering of love. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. I am nothing Today in God's redemptive plan, we live in that wonderful era when by faith we can walk with confidence and security in a relationship with our God, and we have the constant comfort and power of God's Spirit at work in us and with us and through us. 
We are living in the church age, the time when God's Holy Spirit is poured out on every one of his children. From the time we trust Christ and come into that relationship with God by faith, he is our faithful, flawless escort to glory. He will not fail in that task. He's going to see us through. He will not leave any enemy in our lives. He will present us perfect, flawless, and sinless in glory. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit is. Now, we're seeing a type of that as the people of Israel go into the promised land. The book of Hebrews talks about this entering into our rest, the people of Israel. They have been wandering in the wilderness. They set up camp. They break camp. They didn't have a place of permanence and a stability. Now they go into the promised land. They no longer live from manna, but from God's provision for them there in the land. This is the picture of us entering into our rest, into that place of a confident, secure relationship with God, empowered by His Spirit as He continues to take the enemies out of our lives. It's a beautiful picture of the process of sanctification. It is a picture of our lives in Christ. We can not only have victory coming out of Egypt, but we also have that wonderful experience of going into our rest, entering into the promised land where we walk by faith and see him conquer that sin, conquer the flesh, those selfish impulses. Certainly not irrelevant to our lives at all. Now, these chapters describe how the promised land is to be divided among the 12 tribes. Remember, the tribe of Levi was not to have any land because they were to spend all of their energies in serving the people, the spiritual needs of the people. And there were some practical areas as well. The Levites served the people of Israel. Secondly, we see here the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They had already received land east of the Jordan River. Now, thirdly, the tribes of Judah and Joseph, Joseph meaning Ephraim and the other half-tribe of Manasseh, Joseph's children, they had received the land that their ancestor Jacob had promised them 450 years earlier. Talk about living in the past. Some of these things go on for centuries, don't they? So the rest of the tribes, seven other tribes, divided up the remaining land by the casting sacred lots through Jacob's original blessings of his sons back in Genesis 49 and Moses' blessing of the 12 tribes. We read about that in Deuteronomy 33. Through these two blessings, the type of land that each tribe would receive was already known. The two blessings were prophetic, and although Joshua cast lots to determine the land given to each of the remaining tribes, the allotments came out just as Jacob and Moses had predicted. Joshua is somewhere between 85 and 100 years old at this time, but God still has work for him to do. And that's, of course, a great encouragement to us who are getting up in years. We can know that God still has a place of service. I think I'd like to make sure we have a good context here as we listen to this period of time, the time of Joshua, this 25-year period between the wanderings in the wilderness and then as we begin the time of the judges as the people of Israel are occupying the land of Canaan. They come out of Egypt somewhere around 1,450 years before Christ. Then 40 years later, 1406 B.C., they enter into Canaan under Joshua's leadership. The time of the Judges, right after the book of Joshua here, is about 1375 B.C., and that lasts for 325 years to the time of Saul in 1050 B.C. when Saul becomes the first king. So it's good to kind of get these in a context. There's no authorship given for the book of Joshua. Uh, you can ask that question to Google and get some ideas about the who Bible wrote that Live great book. The Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. 
Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.